Chapter Fifty Four of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter Fifty Four well said that was laid on with a trowel gratiano speaks an infinite deal of nothing more than any man in all venice after all indeed you may well say that says mr monkton with indignation if those two idiots meant matrimony all along why on earth didn't they do it all before see what a lot of time they've lost and what a disgraceful amount of trouble they have given all around yes yes of course but then you see freddy it takes some time to make up one's mind about such an important matter as that it didn't take you long says mr monkton most unwisely it took me a great deal longer than it took you replies his wife with dignity you have always said that it was the very first day you ever saw me and i'm sure it took me quite a week this lucid speech she delivers with some severity more shame for you says monkton promptly well never mind says she too happy and too engrossed with her news to enjoy even a skirmish with her husband isn't it all charming freddy it certainly turned out very well all things considered i think it is the happiest thing and when two people who love each other are quite young really my dear you are too flattering says monkton considering the gray hairs that are beginning to make themselves so unpleasantly at home in my head i at all events can hardly lay claim to extreme youth good gracious i'm not talking of us i'm talking of them cries she giving him a shake wake up freddy bring your mind to bear upon this big news of mine and you will see how enchanting it is don't you think felix has behaved beautifully so faithful so constant and against such terrible odds you know joyce is a little difficult sometimes now hasn't he been perfect all through he is a genuine hero of romance says mr monkton with conviction none of your cheap articles a regular bona fide thirteenth-century knight the country ought to contribute its stray half-pennies and buy him a pedestal and put him on the top of it whether he likes it or not once there simon stylates would be forgotten in half an hour was there ever before heard of such a heroic case did ever yet living men have the prowess to propose to the girl he loved it is an entirely new departure and should be noticed it is quite unique don't be horrid says his wife you know exactly what i mean that it is a delightful ending to what promised to be a miserable muddle and he is so charming isn't he now freddy is he asks mr monkton 
regarding her with a thoughtful eye. You can see for yourself he is so satisfactory. I always said he was the very husband for Joyce. He is so kind, so earnest, so sweet in every way. Nearly as sweet as I am, eh? There is a stern inquiry now in his regard. Poof! I knew what you are, of course. Who would if I didn't? But really, Freddy, don't you think he will make her an ideal husband? So open, so frank, so free from everything. Everything. Oh, well, everything. You know. I don't, says Monkton uncompromisingly. Well, everything. Hateful, I mean. Oh, she is a lucky girl. Nearly as lucky as her sister, says Monkton, growing momentarily more stern in his determination to uphold his own cause. Don't be absurd, I declare, with a little burst of amusement. When he, they, told me about it, I never felt so happy in my life. Except when you married me, he throws quite a tragical expression into his face, that is, however, lost upon her. Of course, with her present fortune, she might have made what the world would call a more distinguished match. But his family are unexceptionable, and he has some money, not much, I know, but still, some, and even if he hadn't, she has now enough for both, after all, with noble disregard of the necessities of life, what is money? Dross, mere dross, says Mr. Monkton, and he is just the sort of man not to give a thought to it. He couldn't, my dear. Heroes of romance are quite above all that sort of thing. Well, he is certainly, says Mrs. Monkton, a little offended. You may go on pretending as much as you like, Freddy, but I know you think about him just as I do. He is exactly the sort of charming character to make Joyce happy. Nearly as happy as I have made you, says her husband severely. Dear me, Freddy, I really do wish you would try and forget yourself for one moment. I might be able to do that, my dear if I were quite sure that you were not forgetting me, too. Oh, as to that, I declare you are a perfect baby. You love teasing. Well, there, then. The there represents a kiss, and Mr. Monkton, having graciously accepted this tribute to his charms, condescends to come down from his mental elevation and discuss the new engagement with considerable affability. Once, indeed, there is a dangerous lapse back into his old style, but this time there seems to be occasion for it. When they stood there stammering and stuttering, Freddy, and looking so awfully silly, I declare I was so glad about it that I actually kissed him. What? says Mr. Monkton. And you have lived to tell the tale? You have, therefore, lived too long. Perfidious women prepare for death. I declare I think you'd have done it, says Barbara eloquently, whereupon, having reconsidered her speech, they both give way to mirth. 
I'll try it when I see him, says Monkton. Even a hero of romance couldn't object to a chaste salute from me. He is coming to dinner. I hope when you do see him, Freddy, anxiously this, you will be very sober about it. Barbara, you know I never get, er, that is, not before dinner at all events. Well, but you promise me now, you will be very serious about it. They are taking it seriously, and they won't like it if you persist in treating it as a jest. I'll be a perfect judge. I know what that means, indignantly, that you are going to be as frivolous as possible. My dear girl, if the bench could only hear you, well there, then, yes, really, I'll be everything of the most desirable, a regular funeral mute, and— saying she is still offended i am glad about it barbara honestly i think him as a good fellow as i know and joyce another having convinced her of his good faith in the matter and argued with her on every single point and so far prejured himself as to remember perfectly and accurately the very day and hour on which three months ago she had said that she knew Joyce preferred Felix to Beauclerk. He is forgiven, and presently allowed to depart in peace with another there, even warmer than the first. But it is unquestionable that she keeps a severe eye on him all through dinner, and so forbids any trifling with the sacred topic. It would have put the poor things out so she had said to herself and indeed it must be confessed that the lovers are very shy and uncomfortable and that conversation drifts a good deal and is only carried on irregularly by fits and starts but later when felix has unburdened his mind to monkton during the quarter of an hour over their wine when barbara has been compelled in fear and trembling to leave Freddy to his own devices, things grow more genial, and the extreme happiness that dwells in the lovers' hearts is given full play. There is even a delightful half-hour granted them upon the balcony, Barbara having, like the good angel she is, declared that the night is almost warm enough for June. End of chapter 54 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.